0: Hi, this is Stuart Weems, and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights, and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about how to minimize your largest lifetime expense, that is, tax. Now, it might sound a bit strange, but tax isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if you're paying tax, it means you're either making money, either income or capital gains. Uh, but of course, you know, I think we all agree we probably don't want to have to donate any more than we legally have to. Um, and so what I wanted to do is go through uh, a few considerations to maybe what I would describe to as a common sense approach to minimising tax. My first comment would be that I think minimising risk is sometimes just as important as minimising tax. So it's not really worth it to bend or break a law just to save a few hundred dollars of tax. So for example, if you, get, if you, if you um, claim a potential deduction that, that might be a little bit rubbery, for example, uh, and then you get audited... Um, you certainly don't want to attract the attention of the ATO, uh, and uh, because it might mean that they look at at future returns a little bit closer. You know, just to save a couple of hundred dollars, it's it's really not worthwhile. Uh, sort of bending those rules. So my approach has always been to stick within the black letter of the law. Uh, Bending uh, the law is rarely worthwhile, as I said. Um, of course, you should claim whatever you're legitimately entitled to claim, um, but you know, um, trying to get too tricky with it, as I said, I would much rather stay under the radar and pay my fair share of tax uh, than really push the envelope and invite an audit. Uh, and remember, when you sign off on your tax return, you are taking the risk as the taxpayer, not your accountant. Uh, So, you know, it's you that will have to stump up the penalties and interest should you get audited and should you get a revised tax bill uh, down the track. The second comment is that um, certainly with more complex uh, tax minimisation arrangements, uh, tax is often only delayed rather than avoided completely uh, so that's the problem with tax minim- aggressive tax minimization. Firstly, you've got to pay a, a tax advisor or a specialist accountant a large sum of money to sort of come up with this complex, uh, often convoluted strategy. Um, and then even the best plans can be thwarted by the ATO by just um, issuing a new tax ruling, a practice statement, a change in law, uh, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden, the arrangement that you thought was perfect a couple of years ago that cost you a lot of money to set up, all of a sudden, you've then really got to unwind it or deal with it. Uh, and really, um, these sorts of complex arrangements just invite complexity, risk, and most importantly, cost. You know, And it's a good business model for some tax advisors, um, but I just don't believe in it. Um, I mean, it's, it's appropriate for in some circumstances, of course, uh, but for most people, I would say try and keep it as simple as possible. Save as much tax, but don't invite too much complexity. Okay, so when we discuss uh, tax minimisation, I really think in terms of pre-retirement and then post-retirement. So pre-retirement is obviously when you're working, you're earning um, personal exertion income, those sorts of things, uh, versus uh, retirement when uh, you know, you, you're just uh, relying on investment income or, or super and so forth. So let's talk about a couple of pre-retirement strategies. Now, the first one is just come to terms with the fact that if you are a PAYG employee or you earn personal services income, uh, and if you want to know more about what um, uh, what uh, is included in personal services income, we, we certainly have a look at the Holistic Accountant podcast that Mina and I have recorded where we talk about that. But really, if you earn PSI income or you're a PAYG employee, you're just going to have to make friends with the fact that there's there's not too many opportunities for you to be able to reduce the amount of tax. Now, if you are um, certain uh, sort of occupations, like a a medico or barrister, there can be other uh, opportunities for specific uh, occupations to reduce tax. But in the main, um, for most people, there's not uh, a lot of ways to reduce tax. And so my advice then is to, to focus on other taxes, Such as stamp duty, land tax, these sorts of things, uh, rather than necessary, and capital gains tax rather than uh, income tax. I'll talk about that in a second. But there are a couple of really obvious ones or opportunities for PAYD employees. The first one is contributing to super. So after 1 July, the concessional contribution cap increases from $25,000 to $27,500. That means people can contribute up to $27,500 a year into super and claim a tax deduction for it. Now, that $27,500 contribution cap includes the 9.5% that your employer contributes on your behalf, those compulsory contributions. Um, uh, Now, that's uh, slated to increase to 10% after 1 July uh, 2021, by the way. So your employer will be making uh, more contributions. Uh, Any monies contributed into super will be taxed at a flat 15%, whereas outside super you might be taxed at, say, 39 or 47%. So there's quite a bit of tax saving, although if you are on a high income, uh, over $250,000 a year, then your super contributions will actually be taxed at 30%. So there's still uh, a tax saving uh, from doing that, but maybe not as much as uh, lower income earners the second obvious way to reduce tax is through gearing, so borrowing to invest. It's really about using other people's money, that is the banks, uh, to build your wealth, and you're able then to use pre-tax dollars to meet the interest cost uh, associated with that borrowing. So, um, uh, used to be very tax-effective when interest rates were six, seven, eight uh, percent. Of course, there is still some tax benefits available, but but uh, they've greatly reduced. Um, compared to where interest rates were uh, many years ago. So apart from super and gearing, for most PAYG employees, there's not a lot of other tax saving measures. But um, as I said at the beginning, uh, your focus then should revert to um, making sure that you're paying less tax on any investments, uh, including uh, uh, income tax, uh, capital gains tax and land tax. So let's talk about then the ways that you can minimize the amount of tax that you pay on investment returns. Because obviously it's great to to generate an investment return, but if all of it is taxable in the year that you generate it, then really what you're doing is paying half of that return to the ATO, there's less than to reinvest. Two tips. The first thing is make sure you're investing in assets that generate most of their um, return in terms of capital growth. Because obviously we don't need to pay capital gains tax until we sell the asset. So if we're getting most of our return in unrealized gains, so capital growth, um, we get to reinvest that each year. That is, the tax isn't subtracted or deducted uh, each year. So, for example, residential property tends to provide most of its return in capital growth. But if we look at share market investments, for example, if we compare, say, an actively managed fund and an index fund, quite often an actively managed fund has a lot of turnover, a lot of stock turnover within the fund, and most of the return each year is taxable as a result. Whereas an index fund has far less turnover, and therefore you'll, you'll generate some realised returns, some dividends. But again, especially if it's an international share um, or international fund, index fund, most of the returns will be unrealized gains and therefore attract substantially less tax. The second tip is to make sure the investments are owned tax effectively. So that could be um, putting it in the lowest um, spouse's income earner's name uh, or putting it in a family trust that provides you with flexibility. Um, but think very carefully about asset ownership because the owner really, the, the person or the entity that owns those investments really dictates you know, how many opportunities, tax savings opportunities there might be. Okay, the next consideration, uh, which really only applies to property investors, is to minimise land tax. You know, Land tax is probably one of the most insidious taxes because uh, when you first uh, purchase an investment property, uh, the land tax bill actually might be zero. You might not be actually paying any tax uh, because every, everyone has a, sort of a tax-free threshold to, to take advantage of. But obviously, the longer you hold the property and if you're investing in high land value property, as you should be, uh, then uh, the tax will start to accumulate uh, year after year and, um, and it will be probably um, at its highest levels as you just enter into retirement uh, at the time when you don't really want to do that. Uh, so it's good when you know it's one of the advantages of sitting down and planning out a property, investment property portfolio initially uh, so you can work out, you know, what is the implications of land tax long-term uh, and how can we structure a portfolio to minimise that. And lastly, capital gains tax. Uh, obviously, quality assets hold for long-term will provide that compounding capital growth, which is what you want them to do. Um, but obviously, a side effect of that is that it will also um, create large, unrealized capital gains tax liabilities as well. Uh, So something that we need to think about, it's great to invest in an asset, but if we sell it one day, we want to keep most of the profits, of course. Uh, So things like putting that asset in a family trust or a self-managed super fund uh, might help you minimise or at least reduce the amount of capital gains tax you pay in the future. If you um, are self-employed or generate business Income, So it's distinct, obviously, from what I just spoke about for employees and, and PSI, people and uh, personal services income, uh, then there could be a lot of avenues to actually uh, save tax. And of course, uh, a bit of a free plug for uh, Meena and my uh, new podcast called The Holistic Accountant. Uh, I I recommend uh, you um, have a listen to that. And we talk about uh, lots of different tax-saving measures for people that are in business in that podcast. Okay, so that discussion really relates to tax-saving measures that are available to me uh, mainly if I'm an employee before retirement. Uh, What about after retirement? Well, after retirement, your aim really should be to pay zero tax in retirement. So, firstly, any assets held inside super in a pension phase um, do not attract any tax, uh, income or capital gains tax, if the member's balance is less than $1.7 million. That's a new benchmark after 1 July 2021. So that means really a a couple, uh, two spouses, uh, can have up to $3.4 million in super and not pay any tax. So you want to be thinking about that very carefully and that's a a good um, ownership structure to start holding a lot of your wealth. If we think then outside of super, an individual can earn around about $22,500 and not pay any tax because of low income earners rebate and so forth. That means a retired couple can earn between them about $45,000 and not pay any income tax liabilities but even if you exceed that benchmark let's say you earn $55,000 between you well you'll end up paying about $2,500 of tax or 4.5%. Let's put it in the whole scheme of things it's really not a lot of tax. So if you project that your investment income will be less than $50,000 a year between you and your spouse probably not a lot of uh, a lot you need to do to worry about you'll probably pay very little tax in retirement. However, if you project that your personal income in retirement could be in excess of $50,000, obviously excluding any pensions from super, then you need to start thinking about ways that you're going to be able to minimise tax in retirement. Uh, and that could be using vehicles such as Family trusts to provide you with a bit more flexibility. But in summary, if you plan well, uh, most people uh, that, that complete that good, um, uh, robust planning exercise Uh, we'll pay somewhere between no tax and very little tax uh, in retirement. Now, let me finish with just a word of warning, and it's going to be a bit contradictory, but of course you should um, save as much tax as you can. Uh, But once you've done that, move on. Uh, Focus on generating higher returns or better returns or more consistent investment returns or increasing your personal income or building your personal wealth. Too much focus on tax Uh, is really not going to provide you very much uh, benefits because once you've, you know, if you're a POYG, there's not a lot you can do. Once you've contributed into super and you've got some gearings, that's it. You've considered then capital gains tax, land tax, and tax on investment returns. Once you've done that, move on move on and start thinking about more positive things like how can I generate more returns, how can I build wealth and put the tax thing aside. Sometimes I've come across people that are just too focused on tax uh, and there's just no reward for for that, that focus because there's only so much you can do. Obviously having a good accountant, having a good independent financial advisor that has strong tax background, hopefully they're in fact registered tax agents so they're able to provide taxation services including tax advice uh, makes makes a lot of sense so that's it for this week uh, if you just a quick reminder if you enjoy the podcast uh, please uh, share it amongst family friends and colleagues uh, and also uh, most importantly leave a rating wherever you listen to the uh, podcast because it certainly helps uh, and I'd greatly appreciate it until next week bye for now